Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast sponsored by First Federal Bank. It's Monday, May 16th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today, but full disclosure, the conversation with beat writers Herbie T.O.P. and Jesse Newell occurred on Friday. I'm telling you that for two reasons. First, transparency. If we post a chat that occurred other than the day advertised, we want you to know that. But second, a weekend event changes a portion of the conversation you're going to hear, and it involves defensive end Melvin Ingram. Let me set the stage. The Chiefs wrapped up rookie minicamp last week, and next week they'll begin OTAs. This is a good time to ask what needs remain to be addressed, and in our talk, Herbie, Jesse, and I focused on the defensive front. Obviously, the Chiefs selected Purdue defensive end George Karloftis in the first round of last month's draft, but that was it when it came to that position. I thought they might select another defensive end. After all, the Chiefs entered the draft with 12 picks, but Karloftis, that was it for the position. Remember, they went heavy with defensive backs. We wondered, and talked about it on Friday, about the idea of bringing back Melvin Ingram. The Chiefs got him in a trade with the Steelers during the 2021 season and liked how he performed. Bringing back Ingram would seem to fit into the Chiefs' plans, and earlier this month, General Manager Brett Veach said, and we're quoting him here, we would love to bring him back and it would make sense for us. But that isn't happening. We learned on Sunday that Ingram is going to sign with the Miami Dolphins. So now the Chiefs have some work to do to build depth at defensive end. As of this moment, Frank Clark and George Karloftis are your starters in all likelihood. Mike Dana and Joshua Kando provide the depth, but the Chiefs are going to be looking for a veteran here. And there are free agents available. Jadavian Clowney is one, and so is old friend Justin Houston. It's a position of need, as we address in our conversation, that you'll hear in a moment. After a break, you'll hear from another Chiefs rookie, this time offensive lineman Darian Kennard. He was the Chiefs' fifth-round pick from Kentucky, and he wasn't happy that he dropped that far. Kennard talked about that and where he might be lining up on the offensive line. First, here are Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC. We're talking Chiefs with beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell. And guys, it seems like we just talked a moment ago. That's how, that's how much I enjoy speaking to you all. We, um, we, we did talk on Friday, and now it's Monday. Chiefs are, have been down for a week, right? Rookie minicamp com, uh, concluded a week ago today, and I don't know how much you get out of, out of rookie minicamp. It's just, you know, it's, it's how, how many guys participate in that, and um, it's, you just can't do much at a rookie minicamp. Yeah, they had 74 players, which obviously is, is- – Typically, where they like to be over the last two years during the COVID period, uh, it was it was very common to see 33, 34 people out there. So they're not able to do a lot of drills. And of that 74, 40 of them were tryout players. So, I mean, when we're out there at Rookie Minicamp, the things we want to see are, are the draft class, okay, and some of the undrafted rookie free agents. Because you, you can't properly evaluate people who are running around in shorts and there's no contact allowed. So, you know, including OTA. So when you see Blair Kirkhoff make an amazing catch out there, you know, I expect Blair Kirkhoff to make an an amazing catch because the defender can't put his hands on you. So, you know, you have to temper enthusiasm when you're out there, but you know, the, the thing that jumps out to me immediately from being out at rookie minicamp was their second round draft pick Sky Moore. You know, he dealt with a slight hamstring tweak as he called it. And he was 
basically a, uh, an observer, a bystander as the team went through drills. And, but Andy Reid expects him to be back in time for OTH, which kicks off here in exactly two weeks. So that's what you do. You go out there in rookie minicamp, you watch them get their playbooks, you watch them learn the culture and take what they've learned in the installs in the classroom and put it on the field. More importantly, Blair, you learn the value of sunscreen uh, because you're out there three straight days. And even when it's cloudy, it gets that top part of your forehead and uh, it burns you for a couple days. So uh, that's the number of things. But uh, no, I mean, Herbie's right. You know, Brian Cook was another one in their secondary who was mostly just kind of doing walkthrough type stuff. So those are the ones that most people's eyes are going to be on these rookies that are going to be expected to contribute right away. And that it really is the rags to riches story is if somebody does emerge from the tryout period, uh, you know, that's a great story in the NFL. But, you know, you think about like a guy like Malik Clark from Kansas, who I covered and, you know, he started for them for four straight years. I mean, that the dream for him, you know, there's not many minor leagues in football. You know, this has been your whole life for four years, five years, 10 years, whatever it is. And you just want somebody's eyes to be on you. And that is the longest of long shots. And it is disappointing. And most of the time, not going to end in something that you want, but you want a chance and you want to be able to say that you gave it a chance and you want to keep that chief's Jersey forever. Uh, you know, even if you don't make it to tell your kids and your grandkids that that was something that you chased. So uh, that's sort of the reality of the situation when it comes to rookie minicamp, but a part of the process is, as Herbie said, and a big part of the process for these rookies who are going to have to become ingrained. And a lot of these guys are going to be expected to be starters here for the chiefs coming up this next season. Yeah. Look, the tryout guys, like the one you just mentioned, Jesse, are they, they do, get a uniform and they, the Jersey is theirs. Uh, and they're at least for three days, they're on a roster. They're on an NFL roster. So very, very cool for them. I, I can't tell you over the years, how many people I have um, in, in doing stories and researching uh, stories, people tell me that they, they played for an NFL team or something. Well, not, not really. Uh, they never appeared in a game for an NFL team, but, they went to a tryout with, uh, you know, in, in the spring with the team and they were on a roster. So it counts. You know? And they drew a check. And got a check. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, all right. Herbie, you mentioned Sky Moore a little while ago. Let's let's start at wide receiver, because one thing I wanted to cover with you guys today is Chiefs coming out of the rookie minicamp, coming out of the draft and the rookie minicamp and heading into the, uh, you know, to, to the other, o, o, you know, o, OTAs. What? What, what areas the Chiefs might need to address? They certainly addressed a couple of positions in the draft with the 10 picks. I think they ended up taking 13 cornerbacks with their 10 picks. Uh, they, they took a lot, uh, so, so to speak. Uh, but wide receiver um, is, was another position that we, we thought they would address. They did, but we just with Sky Moore. And so my question to you is, after, after McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, and Sky Moore – Who's the next? Who's in the next bunch of wide receiver candidates for this team? You know, and that, that's a, a fair question and a very good question that we're going to find out here at ODAs leading into training camp because uh, even Brett Veach uh, mentioned after the draft that competition for the fifth, sixth wide receiver. If they do decide to keep six, it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, they signed a guy named Justin Ross out of Clemson. You know, a highly touted uh, player out of college until injuries ravaged his collegiate career. And then the Chiefs, you know, were able to sign him as an undrafted guy. And he's going to be in the mix. Okay. He'll be in the mix along with Josh Gordon, along with Doris Fountain, uh, Cornell Powell, their last, you know, last year's draft pick who somehow didn't make it. Uh, but he's also in the mix here, but you know, 
when you think about their top three, and excuse me, top four, it will be McCole Hardman, it will be Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, most likely Sky Moore, and now you've got about three or four players there fighting for that fifth or sixth wide receiver spot. And whoever it is, if it is Justin Ross, you better be able to contribute on special teams because that's what they're going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for a Marcus Kemp, a Byron Pringle-type wide receiver who can play gunner. Now, I don't know if Justin Ross is that guy, but we know Darius Fountain certainly is because he played it last year. Justin Ross, interesting guy, uh, as you mentioned, the guy had a fantastic year as a, as a freshman at Clemson and then just battled injury after injury there. Degut went undrafted and much to the disappointment of Justin Ross and his college coach, Dabo Sweeney, but uh, really aims to prove he belongs in, in the NFL. And, and listen, if he's 100% or close to 100%, the Chiefs have some kind of talent, I think, with, with him. We'll have to see. And I keep forgetting Corey Coleman, too. Sorry about that. Another uh, former draft pick with the Cleveland Browns who's now in, in – who signed a one-year deal. So he's also in the mix. A lot of competition there for sure. Look, and I think the rest of the offense is pretty – I don't want to say set, but, but you know, we're pretty sure about what's going on, you know, on the line, in the backfield, um, you know, at tight end for sure. I, I don't – I just don't see any big additions coming, you know, before the season. Go ahead. Yeah, what do you think, Kirby? I think the right tackle is going to be a position we're really yeah. going to want to watch going forward. You know, and we know from last year, the Chiefs are not shy of starting rookies. You know, they opened the, the season with three of them, Creed Humphrey, uh, Trey Smith, and Lucas Nyang. And Nyang himself is, you know, suffering that Achilles, not Achilles, uh, the knee injury on the season finale. Veach says he's not expecting him back until the end of camp. So he's going to be rusty. So they're probably going to open the OTAs right now with Andrew Wiley, but don't be surprised if uh, Darian Kennard, their draft pick, is immediately thrust in there in competition. So we're, we're going to be watching that closely. Yeah, look, I think I think we're going to see Kennard get the Trey Smith treatment. It's going to you know he's going to get a first uh, first look at um, you know on on the right side. So um, mostly when I thought about this topic about what what we might see the chiefs add um, coming out of, uh, you know, OTAs. I was thinking defense and I was thinking, you know, defensive front, to be honest with you. Um, so let's start at tackle. Are, should they be, you know, look, I, with Chris Jones and Derek Noddy projected to, you know, to be in the middle of the front, um, Colin Saunders also there. And, you know, some player we, we really haven't talked much about, uh, Taylor Stallworth, the acquisition. Um, do the Chiefs need more help in the middle? Yeah, I, I think they do. You know, and I covered Taylor Stallworth when I was in New Orleans. Yeah. Melly, if you're listening, we're drinking. <laughs> yeah, well, he, listen, he, he was there when you were, yeah, in 2018, undrafted free agent. And, and you had him in 18 and part of 19 as well. Yeah, and so but in New Orleans and even with the Colts, he was mostly in a reserve rotational type role. But, you know, you mentioned uh, Derek Nottie. He's only back on a one-year deal. Colin Saunders, you know, this is the last year of his contract. So I was a little surprised they didn't draft a defensive tackle. Uh, they have depth there, though. You know, some of the guys who, who were on the roster last year in training camp, a guy like Malik Herring, 
and you're looking at Cortez Brown, one of their reserve future deals. He's got some NFL experience. Austin Edwards is back. You know, he spent some time on the practice squad last year. So they have pieces there. And, and for us, it's always easy to forget who was on their practice squad, who was in training camp last year. So maybe they've identified someone who they like to go ahead and pair up with Chris Jones if they don't bring back Derek Nottie, if, if Colin Saunders is allowed to leave. But I think they have enough pieces there where they're able to rotate. Uh, the position where I think they need to add, and I think we let Jesse handle this one because he's written a, quite a bit about it, is defensive end. You know, there's a guy out there who Veach has been keeping his eye on. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that would be the old, uh, we're going to give you this crazy rule thing, Melvin Ingram, like, hey, buddy, uh, don't go too far. <laughs> we sure would like you to come back to Kansas City, uh, you know, with this tender, this, uh, you know, this, this interesting tender that they offered him. But uh, the other fascinating part about that is if Melvin Ingram does return to the Chiefs, he potentially will keep Sky Moore from being the first number 24 wide receiver in NFL history, which I think actually I would kind of be bumming about because I kind of want to see it and you know it sounds like from the stories that Sky Moore he got 24 uh at his college because he started out as a cornerback so they threw him 24 and then said oh hey you want to try to try receiver and he did and uh lo and behold becomes a second round pick but no I, I'm with Herbie here like uh, if you're looking at the Chiefs and they're actually in decent cap space um place if you're looking at you know uh, over the cap and and kind of what they can do so you can either keep that flexibility for the trade deadline potentially, or try to use it beforehand. But you're probably looking at the front or the back. I think most people were surprised the Chiefs did not take another interior defensive lineman in the draft, just either as a developmental project or somebody who could potentially plug and play just because, you know, you look like the Chiefs a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl. what happened, you know, they just were one offensive lineman short and God forbid, but what if something happens to Chris Jones? I mean, wh what are the Chiefs going to do? How would they fill that in? And what would the rotation look like if that did happen? But yeah, obviously an edge rusher, um, they need one to go with the guys that they have. And that seems like what they're going to use some of their cap room to do. Uh, obviously still have to deal with the Orlando Brown renegotiation situation, and we'll see how that all shakes out. And then uh, the always eternal Bradbury question uh, with the Chiefs on the back end, even though they've thrown lots of numbers at that position and have lots of draft picks with that position so I think at this point they're probably going to roll with those guys and, and just see kind of who emerges there but I would say yes either the front or the back of the defense if you're looking to spend some cap money to try to solidify some of those positions and definitely interior defensive line potentially uh, edge rusher and Melvin Ingram seems like the most likely candidate there. Jadavian Clowney is also a name you keep hearing a little bit about who's, who's out there available so is uh, if to shift inside, back inside, Indomitian Sue uh, as, as a possibility, Akeem Hicks. So there are some people still out there. And, and Herbie, at this point in, um, in in their careers, we're talking about players that are over 30 years old, right? Um, what, what, what kind of deals, if, if the Chiefs ended up signing Ingram or Clowney or Sue, one of these guys for the defensive line, what, what kind of deal could be expected? A one-year deal. You know, yeah. we're talking about veteran players here, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, we saw it last year with an Alex Okafor. You know, he didn't come in until training camp. So these 30-year-old players are not in a rush to sign with the team right now. You know, what, why would they want to put their bodies through OTAs when they can just join a team at camp when they're looking for teams that need depth at their respective – at those positions? Yeah, Jesse mentioned James Bradbury. I, I just – God, I've been hearing that name for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But I, I yeah, 
the trade for Lonnie Johnson, in my opinion, removes Bradbury from the equation because the Chiefs okay. traded for Lonnie Johnson. Right, right. Um, so they're going to roll with a secondary that no longer includes uh, Tyron Matthew, Charvarius Ward, Dan Sorensen, and one that picks up Justin Reed, Lonnie Johnson, uh, Deion Bush, among others. So um, I, I – and, and then what they drafted, you know, with so much draft capital spent on, on the back – you know, the secondary, I think the Chiefs feel like they're in good – at least good shape there. So, all right, guys. Um, you worked overtime today. I really appreciate it. Uh, conversation was good as always. And uh, so, look, the Chiefs, uh, week from Thursday, OTAs begin, I believe, May 25th, goes through June 9th. How's that going to work, Kirby? Is it a couple – are they there from every single day or is it a couple days each week? How does, how does OTAs work? Yeah, for OTAs, they'll be out there on the field uh, uh, two days uh, that – you know, second last week of May, and then three days, the last week of May, four days, the last, or, you know, their final third week before they jump into the three-day mandatory minicamp. I will say this because Jesse mentioned it. Orlando Brown, okay, as most people know, he's franchise tagged. We, we should not expect to see him out there because he has not signed his tender yet. So technically he's not under contract. The Chiefs have until July the 15th to have a long-term deal in place. And if not, then Brown will have to play the 2022 regular season under the tag, which is 16.6 million, provided he signs it. So we don't expect to see Orlando Brown out there, you know, barring some type of long-term deal or he signs his franchise tender. Does he have an agent yet? That is, that's the big question, you know. And and you know, Brett Veach said after the draft, they're not going to rush that situation because they know how how. Uh, word I'm looking for here, how complex that situation is finding an agent. But yeah, right now he's representing himself as far as I know. It's an interesting conversation, guys, because I feel like Brett Veach is pretty open in these sort of conversations, and they seem very interested in signing Orlando Brown to a long-term deal, but there's been a holdup, you know what I mean? Like Orlando Brown sort of getting all this taken care of and coming to the, the negotiating table has been the holdup. So um, we'll see how this plays moving forward, but it sure seems like the Chiefs are very interested in locking up Brown long-term. You know, just quick thought on Orlando Brown. One thing I wonder about is, do they sign him for, you know, does, is he interested in three or four years? And if it's a three-year deal, won't his, you know, his deal will come up about the same, well, the same year that uh, the, the, you know, Creed Humphrey and uh, Trey Smith, you'll, you'll have all these offensive linemen that you've liked and signed coming up at the same time and could create a, you know, a financial, interesting financial situation for the Chiefs. So, all right, great conversation with uh, Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell cover the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star. Guys, we'll do it again soon. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. 
For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. The first day out there, what was it like? What did you kind of experience? What did you learn? Uh, the biggest thing was just getting in the playbook, uh, just kind of soaking up everything I can. Um, you know, work, going in, working on details. Uh, honestly, just getting a better technique and learning a new playbook. Was it exciting to get out there and put that jersey on for the first time? Uh, it was, man. It was really fun. I mean, I got the first practice, I guess, rookie mini camp as a Kansas City Chief, so that was pretty cool. The Chiefs last year started three rookies on the offensive line. What kind of motivation does that give you coming in here knowing that you could immediately compete for a starting job? Uh, of course, it gives me a lot of motivation, but uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be a lot of hard work and uh, busting my butt to get there. So we're just going to keep our head down and keep working. How many teams there and told you that they wanted you at guard? And is it sort of a reassurance that the Chiefs want you at tackle? Um, a lot of teams asked. They never said, hey, we're going to play you a guard. Um, some teams said, yeah, I see, we see you as a guard. Uh, at the end of the day, it was coming in for me and trying to make an impact. So at whatever position that was, uh, it's pretty cool that, you know, coming in, they see me as a tackle. But at the end of the day, I was going to come in and compete for any job I could. So uh, it's pretty reassuring that I could play tackle and a position I've been comfortable with. And uh, now it's just time to get working. If the Chiefs asked you what your favorite position was, where you're most comfortable, mm-hmm. would that be your answer, the right tackle? Uh, yeah, I would say right tackle is the best position for me in terms of experience. That's where majority of my snaps were. Um, but that doesn't in any means me feel make me feel like I couldn't play any other position. Uh, you had said that they were thinking about moving you to left tackle. Yep. Uh, it seems like in this mini camp, you're going to be doing reps both at left and right tackle. Mm-hmm. Just, is there any sort of difference playing the two positions, uh, especially when you're not doing the opposite pads? Right. Um, you know, when you're out there without pads on and you're switching from right to left, uh, you really have to lock in on details. Uh, it's like switching from in basketball, shooting right handed to shooting left handed or vice versa. It's just it's a different feel. And, uh, you know, small, the smallest details make a huge difference uh, on both sides. So it's just a feel thing, but uh, it feels good going out there and to be able to uh, get reps at my old position, I should say. You, you expressed your feelings about your draft position yep. last week. Is that, a, is that something you can carry forward? Of course. I mean, the- chips on my shoulder, but, uh, you know, I've got to be smart-minded and keep my head down at work. Uh, first things first, got to compete for a job, and then, you know, I can uh, keep carrying that chip on my shoulder against other teams. What's your overall impressions of just all the rookies? There's 10 of you guys drafted so many more. Are you still yeah. kind of getting together, getting to know them? What's your impressions of all the guys? Uh, you know, it's a great group. I mean, we're all hungry. We all want to uh, stand out and, you know, do what we can to be a part of this team and uh, be, be on the roster when season comes. So uh, right now, you know, good fun with everybody. We're all having a good time, and uh, we're just trying to get better. What would you say is the biggest learning curve for you to try to transition to the league? Uh, Smallest details matter. Uh, it could be a difference between an uh, inch or two in terms of hand placement or uh, three inches in terms of where you step forward, backward, or uh, you know, lateral. So it just really comes down to details at this level. And a couple more. Eddie Murphy. Nah, I don't know if, if you had known of George before, obviously coming together as teammates now. I know it's very early, but just your first impressions of him? Um, didn't know him prior, uh, but honestly, we're all meshing pretty well. We're doing good as a team, and I think we're all making each other better.
So uh, he's doing a great job and he's a good character guy. Not a football related question, but with it being Mother's Day, do you yeah. have any inspirational women in your life and how have they inspired you? Oh, of course my mother, uh, you know, my mom's, you know, I don't know if anybody uh, saw anything about me, but uh, you know, my mom's my rock and uh, you know, we lean on each other heavily. And uh, I texted my mom before I went out to uh, walk through and you know, just let her know I love her and happy Mother's Day. But uh, yeah, she, she's my rock. You gotta tell us about your hair briefly. I'm guessing because of Kentucky, are you open to dyeing it red? Oh yeah, no, I was going to, that's game plan. Uh, you know, right now just getting through minicamp and uh, biggest focus is just getting better, at, getting better at my position. And uh, you know, this will turn red eventually. So <laughs> just know that. As we close out today's Sports Beat KC, I wanted to provide one more piece of audio. It's not Chiefs. This comes from Sporting Kansas City and Captain Johnny Russell. Sporting suffered a terrible loss on Saturday in Portland, surrendering six second-half goals in the 7-2 setback. Russell's a 16-year pro soccer veteran who played in his native Scotland and England before joining Sporting KC in 2018. He's been a tremendous player here. When someone who's played in more than 400 pro matches says this is the worst he's felt after a game, I think it's worth the listen. So here's Johnny Russell moments after Sporting's loss on Saturday with some gut-wrenching honesty. Just curious uh, for you, what went wrong there in that second half? Um, uh, I don't know. We spoke about it at halftime that we had done some nice things in the first half that the next goal was massively important if we got it then we really felt we could have went on and won the game and then we can we let them score in what 45 seconds something like that um, and then it's just an absolute capitulation after that to concede six goals in one half of a game is try and choose my words carefully here uh, it's, it's not even embarrassing. It's 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 so far beyond that that it's uh, just a complete disgrace. <clears throat> as a professional, individually, and as a team, that second half is so unacceptable on so many levels. It's. I genuinely don't even know what to say. Um, I'm, honestly, I've never been as embarrassed in my whole career. That is, I've had some low times in my career. This is, this is, this is number one. This is already the season hasn't been acceptable, and just, just pathetic, really. In the second half, um, not good enough. Uh, actually, embarrassing to call ourselves professionals um, going off that. That'll do it for today. Thanks to the Sports Beat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Today's morning sports edition was 31 pages of great stuff about all the Game 7s in the NBA and NHL playoffs, plus coverage of Salvador Perez's heroics in Colorado on Sunday and Missouri's landing spot in the NCAA softball tournament. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. 
We'll be back on Tuesday talking Royals on another Sportsbeat KC.